welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. The whole month of February, we've been studying, uh, we've been memorizing scripture. I know that all of you have memorized the scripture of the month. So I'm going to randomly call upon one of you. Look how nervous y'all just got. Some of you are contemplating running and leaving right now. You were like, you know what? How awkward would it be if we just got up and left? <laughs> that would be pretty awkward, right? If I said, okay, I'm going to randomly call upon you. And everybody just scattered. It's like a race for the door. I won't do that. I won't do that, but we're going to say it together, and I hope that you have memorized it. John 15, 7. Come on, say it with me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will desire, and it shall be done unto you. If you have relationship with me, and I have relationship with you, if we're connected, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do things for you. This is a, a passage that we have to put in our spirit because... He makes a promise here that if you'll connect with me, if you'll just allow me to just live inside of you, dwell inside of you, then you can ask whatever you want, whatever you want, because we have relationships. So get that verse in your spirit. We're gonna, we'll bring you a new verse uh, next week as we start our, in, into March. But I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me this morning. We're going to go in our scripture text for the day. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 1. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along up here on the Sky Bible. It says, But many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Father, we ask right now, Jesus, Lord, that your Holy Spirit take total control of this service, God. Father, we want to be obedient to your word. We want to be obedient to the the desires that you've put inside of our heart. So God, I ask right now that that manifest in, in our spirits, Lord, that we'll walk out your word, that we'll live out the word of God in our life, Father. So we submit our will to your will this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are unhindered. Come on, say, we are unhindered. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We've been talking about this for all year, actually. We, we've been preaching on unhindered since the beginning of the year. We are now in part six of a, a six-week series, God's Vision for My Life. But we've been talking about what it is to be unhindered. I don't know if you've already recognized it, but I have. And we've talked about this in my house. There's already areas in my life right now that I already feel that I'm living unhindered. Amen. Do you believe that? I mean, you should be feeling that. You, it's a choice. It's a decision you have to make. You have to attach yourself to something that is unstoppable, and that's the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we've been talking about what, it, what does it take to live a life unhindered for the kingdom of God. We put up the banner, unhindered, exchange, unhindered, 2017. The book of Acts, chapter number 28. Now you should be, if you've, if you've been here a few times this year, you should be really memorizing this, uh, this scripture already. But this is, this is Luke writing, and he's writing about Paul. And it says in, in chapter number 28, verse 30, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, and he was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Okay, now the Greek word for unhindered is akalutos, and that means unhindered, unstoppable. So what this story is telling us is that Paul is in prison, okay? He was just recently shipwrecked. He's in prison. He's in prison in his own house that he's paying his own rent for. He's in shackles. He's on trial. He's been falsely accused, mind you. So he's on trial by the wicked emperor Nero. He's on trial, being falsely accused. Everything in his life is going wrong. He's in his own prison, in his own house. And the Bible says he welcomed people into his house. He preached the kingdom of God. He taught Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And so he did all of that. And the Bible says, Luke tells us that he was unhindered. Unhindered. And that's the mission for our church this year is that we'll live a life unhindered, that nothing will stop us. We're going to have obstacles come our way. We're going to have hindrances come our way. But nothing, come on, everybody say nothing. Nothing is going to stop us. You believe that? Unhindered marriages this year. Amen? You receive that? Unhindered relationships with our kids, unhindered relationships at work, everything that, that Satan can throw at us, nothing this year is going to stop us. We may feel like we're in chains, we may appear to be in chains, but we're just going to keep welcoming because we've attached ourselves to something that is unstoppable. It's the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So we've been talking about that, God's vision for my life, and we, we presented a vision statement for the year Uh, to explain what God's vision for our life is. I want you to say this with me. It is to see people saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. Come on, one more time. To see people saved, healed, set free, Okay, it's a process, and we believe that as we go through all of these stages, and we catch it, Okay, because the best things are caught, not taught. You believe that, right? Okay, we can teach to her blue in the face. But until you catch this and you receive this, then you're not going to understand it. And when you do this, we're going to live a life unhindered. So we talked about, a few weeks ago, we talked about being saved. Okay, we talked about our spirits have been saved. Our souls are being saved. Our bodies one day, thank God, will be saved. Amen. All of us that are aching this morning said a big amen, and I believe that. We talked about being healed. We talked about uh, physical healing. We talked about emotional healing. We talked about being set free. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being discipled. Last week, Pastor Kevin preached on being equipped, and today, we're going to speak on being empowered. Everybody say empowered. 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 Our desire as a church is to see everybody in this room empowered empowered to be unhindered to live a life unhindered see we the reason we need to be empowered is because we have to recognize that there is work to be done you believe it i mean i don't know if if you go to work and everybody at your work is just talking jesus and they're all saved and they're like man isn't god so good i mean today it's just like you're out on the oil rig and they're like man jesus is just blessing this drill and Oh, God, hallelujah. You know, they're pumping and, and drilling. They're like, praise God, praise God. And you go to work at the hospital, and, and everybody's like, praise God. All these sick people are getting better. They're better. They're better than yesterday. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, where, wherever you go, you go to school. I know you guys, you go to Atascacita High School now, and Atascacita, they're walking down the halls just, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for math. God, thank you, Lord, for biology. God, we, we needed it. Thank you, God, for athletics where we can run all day in the beautiful fields, right? That's not the way it is. And so we have to be empowered because we have to recognize that there's a job to be done. There's work to be done. Maybe your neighborhood, they're all saved. My neighborhood's not, Okay. All my neighbors don't know Jesus. All my neighbors don't, don't understand that they, they could have a relationship with God, that they could, they could have a, a Savior that could come in and wipe all their sins away. They don't all understand that. So I know that there's work to be done, and so we have to be empowered. So how can we be empowered? We're going to talk about that this morning. First, if you're taking notes, you can pull out your phone. This is a really cool thing that phones do. They have this thing. It's called notes. You could take notes on your phone. It's weird. So crazy how you do that. It's almost like typing a text message, except it just stays on your phone. Then you can go back and review it later so you can produce growth in your life. Anyway. (laughs) Not everybody likes my sarcasm. I get it. I get it. I get it. So if you were to take notes, we're going to write this down. Number one, how, how do we become empowered? We have to receive Jesus, number one. We're going to read first, or John 1, 12 again. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave he power to become the sons of God. 
even to them that believe on his name. Now, I want you to notice it says to those who receive him, he gives power. Okay? So to those who receive him, you with me? He gives power. So we're talking about those, it's the ones who believe in his name. So if you want to be empowered, which is exactly what we're talking about, then first we have to receive. Okay, we're with us, right? You got that, Randall? We have to receive. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. You have to receive him, okay? Now, I want you to catch this, and I'm I'm just painting a picture here because we've really got to get this in our spirits. But think about this. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Amen? You believe that? He's the Savior of the world, but He's not your Savior unless you receive Him. There's a process. He doesn't just save to save, but He's done, Jesus has done all the work that He can do up to this point. Amen? He's done everything he could do. He, he paid the price. He paid for your redemption. He paid for your sins. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. Now it is up to us to wake up <laughs> and to receive him. Everybody say receive him. And when we receive Jesus, he gives us Power to become sons of God. Power to be children of God. Isn't that incredible? Power to do something beyond ourselves. So when you receive Jesus, the word receive, everything hinges on that word. And it's so important because you have to receive Jesus if we're going to be empowered to go on to the next level. First, we have to understand uh, that when you receive someone as God's perfect gift for you, Not that they are perfect, but when you receive someone as God's perfect gift for you, what you're doing is you're releasing that person to be all that God intended for them to be in your life. Isn't that powerful? That when when you receive someone in your life, when you receive God's, God's perfect gift for your life, you are releasing them to be all that God intended for them to be. So you have to receive someone in your life. This works in our marriage. It works in in our relationship with our kids. When we receive them as God's perfect gift, what we do is we release them. If you don't receive them, you can't release them. They won't measure up to everything that God's called them to be. They won't equate to everything that God's called them to be. We won't love each other the way that God's called us to love each other. When you ask people when they're getting married, I just did Israel and Crystal's wedding, and congratulations to these guys. Got married last weekend, and then last night at the same place, uh, I did my brother-in-law's wedding uh, at the same spot. But one of the things is, when you talk to people about getting married, and you ask them why you want to get married, most people say, well, because we love each other. No, come on. (laughs) Right? Because you're not always going to love them. You can be in love with them, but you're not going to love everything they do, right? Are we being real this morning? Because some of you are scared to death to say right because she's sitting next to you. You're like, no, I mean, I love her all the time. But sometimes our spouses can do things that are not really lovable. Amen? John, come on, she ain't even there. Amen? Big amen? <laughs> He's like, I'm afraid she might catch me on the, she might listen to the podcast and hear a big amen. But sometimes we do things that aren't so lovable. But you know what? When we, when we marry someone, we have to recognize first that God has called us to be with that person. That we prayed about, I prayed about it, she prayed about it. God called us to be together. And when they do things that are not really lovable, we move past that. Because we've already received them as God's perfect gift in our lives. And so when we receive them, we've released them to be everything that God's intended them to be. And so we get past those unlovable moments because we all have them. Come on. We all have those days where they do something or they say something that we question how much we love them at that moment. We're like, you know, I'm in love with you, but I don't like you right now. I'm mad at you. I don't like the way you're talking to me. Thank you, Shane. I made sure I got that on podcast so we could go back. So God God gives gifts in your life. One of the gifts that he gave you 
is pastors. We, Pastor Kevin talked about it last week. One of the gifts that he gave for equipping the saints was pastors. There are five gifts he gave. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the Bible says in Ephesians, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Okay? So he gave this gift of pastors. Let me tell you something. You don't have to like it, but he gave me as a gift to you. And until you receive me then you can't release me. I can't be released to do what God's called me to do in your life because that's part of the process. Until we can receive that gift that God's given us, we won't release everything that God's called us to be. So you might be thinking, so I know that this is really important, but how do we receive? It's a great question. Glad you asked. So in order for us to be empowered, the key is to receive. So then we have to answer the question, how do we receive? So we're going to explain it this way. Have you ever had someone in your life that wanted to bless you? They wanted to give you a gift. And uh, maybe you're, you go out to dinner, you and another couple or something. And you go out to dinner and they say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, we, I got this. We're going to pay for it. And your response is, no, 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 no. Don't pay for it. We got this. And they say, no, no, I insist. I want to pay for it. I want to be a blessing to you. No, 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 no. You don't have to. Don't do that. Don't do that. I got this. And you go back and forth a few times. And finally, they say, no, I got this. And they take the check away from you. I got this. Fine. Fine. Okay. And we, we reluctantly, what do we do? We submit. We submit our will to theirs. And we say, you know what? And that's what receiving is all about. It's about this moment where we're, we're, there's a blessing trying to come at us. There's a blessing trying to be given to us, but we don't want to receive it because it, it, we lose control. Okay? When, when we receive, we, we lose control. See, that's why you, you hear people say it's better to give than receive. Okay? Okay? Because giving is easy. Because when we give, we're in total control. Okay? If I give you a gift, in fact, I've been throwing around this gift all morning. Okay? I've been throwing around this gift all morning, and, and I've been in total control. Okay? None of these people have been in control. I've been in control because it's my gift. I give it whenever I want. I give it to whoever I want, whenever I want it, because it's my gift to give. That puts me in control. But when you receive, you're not in control anymore, and you've submitted your will. Okay? Do you get that? And that's the thing that we're talking about this morning is we have to get to this point where we understand to receive Jesus is submitting, submitting our will to his will. That's where the whole name exchange came from is our plans for his plans, our will for his will. It's a, it's a, mu a mutual submission that we say, God, we want what you want for us. We receive you and in receiving you, we submit to you, God. I want to give you a gift, and I want to, I want, I, we, we go back and forth and back and forth, and God's tried to give us this gift, and it's the Son. It's this perfect gift, and some of us really struggle. We'll, we'll accept Jesus. We understand who Jesus is, but some of us have a problem really receiving Jesus because that's a submission that takes us out of control, you know, right? And that's really the hardest part about receiving Christ uh, into your life is knowing that you're, you're giving up control. You know, that it's not actually that easy, that it kind of takes the ball out of your hands, and it's not about your will, but it's about His will. So when we receive Jesus, we got to submit to His perfect will. We release control of our life into His hands. We lay down our pride, and we receive Jesus as God's perfect gift, and we release Him to be everything that God intended him to be in our life. Amen? So if you want to be empowered this year, the first thing that we really have to do to be empowered, and if you haven't done it yet, you're going to get an opportunity to do that today, you have to receive Jesus. Amen? Amen. The second thing you have to do, and write this down, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But you shall what? receive power. This is talking about being empowered. We are empowered, and the scripture says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, okay? When you receive 
this gift of the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. You will be empowered. Okay? Now, let me just make a statement about this verse. There are a lot of Christians who have a very difficult time witnessing. Okay? You don't have to admit it, but I know that that's true. Otherwise, our church would be packed right now. Mm, I didn't expect a lot of amens right there. That's okay. That's okay. We're still on the same team here. But listen, <laughs> when we witness, when we are empowered to witness, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, something happens. Something happens. And, and something has got to happen with inside of us. The word receive means to submit. And think about it. If you're a Christian and you've received or submitted to Jesus, that's great. But now let me ask you this. Have you received or submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit? And I say the power of the Holy Spirit because it's a gift that we receive, but it gives us power. And he says, and it gives us power to become his witnesses, to share, to talk about who he is, because we understand the life-giving power that changes who we are. And it's hard to hold that in. Okay, have you ever been to a restaurant that just changed your life? Come on, y'all are looking at me like, okay, that's a little too far. Yeah, come on, you've, you've been to that place where you started eating and you're like, oh my word. Oh my word, right? And you just start getting goosebumps all in. This is awesome. Or, or you've done anything. You, you've gone somewhere and it was powerful. When, when we're moved, we share it. When something has moved us, we talk about it, okay? There was a, a season where I started working out a little bit. I don't know why people laugh. Every time I, every time I talk about me dieting and working out, sometimes, it's like, do y'all put up laugh up here? Every time I say it, people just start laughing. I feel like it's a practical joke on me. That's cool. That's cool. But there was a season pretty recently I decided I was going to start working out a little bit. So I started working out at this gym, Loganitis, with this guy, Logan, okay? And let me tell you, this guy moved me. He got to me. He, he stirred something inside of me that was so exciting. Did I tell you about him? Yes. I did, didn't I? Did I tell you about him? I did, didn't I? Did I tell you about him? Yeah, I told everybody about him. I thought it was just awesome. This guy was, I mean, besides the fact that his arms were that big, I mean, he's got cannons for guns, you know. He's, he's training right now to try out for the NFL. Daryl, did I tell you about him? Chubbs. Where'd Chubbs go? Oh, he just walked. Chubbs. I told Chubbs about him and, and now trains with him. And, and I told everybody because something happened. He moved me. He moved me. Let me tell you something. When something moves you, when you receive something, they're, they're, you can't hold it back. And that's what, that's what I'm talking about with this gift, this power of the Holy Spirit. You, you receive something that changes your life. And the next step is to share, to talk about it. Receiving God is awesome. Receiving Jesus is awesome. But there's a second step to this whole process. Acts 8.14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Okay, so it's talking about people who received the word of God. So now they're saved. It says, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So it's talking about two separate experiences here. First, they received God, so they get saved, they received Jesus, that's awesome. But then these, these apostles come down, they pray for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit because it's the next step in this process. So verse 16 says, as yet... He had fallen upon them, uh, upon none of them, that they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So again, it says they had only, not only been saved, but they were also baptized in water. And it says, verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now I want to look at Acts 19. And I want to show you again that these people received Jesus, but then there was another step to this process. They needed to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 19.1 says, And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples. Okay, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, disciples, and to be a disciple first, you had to be saved. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
Okay, he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Which means you can believe in Jesus, receive Jesus, submit to Jesus, and still not receive or submit to the Holy Spirit. Two separate experiences. So they said to them, we have not heard so much of whether there is a Holy Spirit. That might sound like a lot of churches that some of us might have been brought up in. Okay, the Holy Spirit is kind of a touchy subject in church. Have you ever noticed that? Um, not everybody likes to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it gets kind of the Holy Spirit. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, especially to unchurched people, the first thing that comes to their mind is weird. Okay? Oh, that's the tongue-talking thing? Do y'all do that at your church? How many of you have ever been asked that? What kind of church you go to? I go to whatever church. Oh, is that one where they do the tongue-talking thing or whatever they do? Right? You're afraid, to, you're afraid to admit that, but that's, that's the way it is. And, and we, we, we've kind of equated, we have this generation where it equates the Holy Spirit with this kind of weird, um, weirdo, mumbo-jumbo, blah, 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 you know, the tongue-talking church. And, and that's not the way it is. And so because of that reason, a lot of people avoid it out. I worked at a Triumph Seed Company in Rawls, Texas, and one of the guys that I worked with for a little while, he was a uh, ordained Baptist minister, and he was telling me that, uh, and he was spirit-filled. Uh, he believed in the Holy Spirit. He preached the Holy Spirit, but he was telling me that uh, for years, as he was raised and taught and kind of trained up in ministry, they would talk, to, they would teach that you can read Acts, you can talk about Acts, but you need to make it clear that it's not for today, okay? It's not for today. And this is what Jim was telling me, is that that's kind of what he's always taught until he had an experience himself, until the power of the Holy Spirit came in, changed his life. His whole church was, was basically spirit-filled because he taught and he believed on that. And there are a lot of spirit-filled Baptists. There are a lot of spirit-filled, a lot of de denominations who have accepted and understand this. But when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it makes people nervous sometimes. So a lot of people just want to skip over this whole section when you start dealing with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to ask you today not to do that. Listen and and don't pull back and don't go, man, this, this is the weird part. Okay, every time somebody speaks in tongues, I get nervous. I get nervous. I don't understand what's going on. So we're going to explain that a little bit to you. But submitting your life to the Holy Spirit will empower you to be bold, to be bold in your witness. We're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, there's this, uh, a debate that's gone on in, in churches for years, and I grew up kind of in this. We've addressed it at national conferences, um, but there's a statement in, in, in previous doctrine that I've been a part of that says that being filled with the Holy Spirit is the initial physical evidence, okay? And that's how it's stated, the initial physical evidence. Now, in 1904, there's this famous revival. Some of you may have heard about it. It's called the Azusa Street Outpouring, uh, known as the Azusa Street Revival, Okay, William Seymour was a part of this. He was one of the, the pastors that spearheaded this. And they prayed, and man, people were saved by the thousands. People were healed by the thousands. But what made this revival so powerful was the teaching and the preaching on the Holy Spirit. Okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he would preach, and, and he would teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he would preach as, as the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the initial physical evidence was speaking in tongues. Okay, so as he taught this, people were being prayed for, and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit left and right by the thousands. And missionaries were being birthed and sent out of this revival. And thus, Pentecost spread like wildfire all over. And it became a Pentecostal movement. The Pentecostal church was really birthed at that time. In fact, there were a lot of churches. Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal Holiness, uh, the United Pentecostal, United Holiness Church, and the Church of God all took this and they began to form their denominations, their belief systems out of this revival. The, the Assemblies of God where I grew up was birthed out of that in 1914. Uh, and so that's what, what happened. And so we've taken this, this initial physical evidence and we've made that all about the Holy Spirit. That that's what the Holy Spirit is. That's all the Holy Spirit does is, is speaking in tongues. And that's not the case. 
I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I spoke in other tongues, and it gave me this power. People would recognize me, and they would understand that I was saved, but there was something different about me. I had this power, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, <coughs> I, it's hard to explain, but I had a, a perfect example last night. I was at my brother-in-law's wedding, and I'm talking to this guy that I've, I kind of knew a little bit. I, I met him several years ago. He was a close friend of the family. We kind of have talked here and there, but not really. But I knew enough to know that he went through a really ugly divorce years ago. Um, it was about six or seven years ago. And lost custody of his son. Only, has, uh, only gets visitation every other weekend. Supervised visitation. And so I'm talking to this guy last night. We just happened to, to bump into each other for a moment. We stood there, talked for a second. After we finished talking, he walked off. And I thought about my message this morning. I thought, perfect example of the power of the Holy Spirit. Something came over me, this boldness. This was not the time nor the place to be preaching. This is not the time nor the place to be sharing my testimony and trying to get anybody saved. We were in a hurry. We were running from one place to, to the next. I started talking to him. He told me, I said, so how's your son? And, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, man, it's tough. It's tough. And he got teary-eyed and he said, I look at everybody here with their kids and I look at you with your kids. And he said, man, just don't take it for granted. And about that time, I had just finished spanking Parker. <laughs> Parker's running all over the place. I was running around behind him trying to spank him. and like, behave. I'm trying to give him away to the highest bidder. Nobody's taking him. And then this guy tells me, he says, man, don't take that for granted. And something came over me. And I said, you know what? God's going to give you that time back. Because this guy has worked and worked and worked. He's done everything that's been asked of him. He calls every single day and speaks to his son. He goes and he's there early for every visitation. He stays the entire time. I mean, he has done everything right. And he's just, he's just fighting and hoping for more time and, and spend more time. And the son's now 10. And, and I told him, I said, listen, here's what's going to happen. God sees your faithfulness in, in your son and being a father and I said, if you'll just trust God, if you'll give this to God, you let God take control. God's not only going to give you more time with your son, but he's going to return back to you lost time. His eyes got watery, and I'm going, what am I doing? You know, everybody's like, hurry, we're fixing to start, we're fixing to start. And I'm like, well, we got to go. We finish, we go, and we do the, the, the ceremony. We come back. He catches me inside, and he goes, those words you said to me. He said, it meant something. About 10 minutes later, he comes up to me and he says, so what do you think? What do you mean when, when you think God's going to give me back? And I said, listen. And I said, here's the way God works. If you'll trust God, he will restore lost time. You're going, man, look at everything I'm missing out on. Look at everything. But if you'll just be faithful, God's going to restore back to you lost time. And there's going to be a day you're going to look back and you're going to go, you know what? These were the greatest years of my life because God has given me back. He has given me back time. And, and at the end of the night, that, that's basically all that was said. And I was driving home and I was thinking about my, the message this morning. And I was thinking about that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not because I'm Pastor Jared. It's because there's this power inside of me that was gifted to me because I submitted my will to the Holy Spirit. I took on and I released him to be all he intended to be. And my Bible tells me that when you receive the Holy Spirit, he will give you power power to be witnesses he will be you give you power to say things in a moment when it doesn't even seem like you're supposed to be saying anything and he's going to give you power to say the right thing at the right time we don't have to wonder and go well i'm not really educated enough or i didn't go to bible school or i didn't i don't i don't really have the knowledge to just say those things that you just said i didn't either Okay? There's this power that comes when you receive the Holy Spirit that he en enables you to become witnesses for the kingdom of God. I'm going to jump down. I'm going to jump down a little bit here. But I want to get to point number three. I, and, and let me remind you, number one, 
is receiving Jesus. Number two, receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say receive, I want you to, to, to match that with submit, okay? When you submit to Jesus, when you submit to the Holy Spirit, he gives you power. And number three is receive spiritual authority. Got one amen. That's okay. That's okay. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So you're telling me that authorities that exist are appointed by God. Come on. So, so all authorities, do you mean to tell me that all authorities that, that exist are appointed by God? That's what I'm saying. That's how the Bible reads it, that all authority comes from God. Appointed by God. Everybody say appointed by. Appointed by God, okay? In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority has given, been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that means Jesus was given all authority. So we know that he set up and he established authority on this earth that we're supposed to submit to. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, quickly to Acts chapter 13. While you're turning there, I just want to say that, that most of you have received Jesus. If not, you're going to have an opportunity to. Many of you receive the Holy Spirit. If not, you'll also have an opportunity to do that. But the one area in the church that really people have a hard time with is understanding spiritual authority. Okay? And I know that because I've dealt with church for a long time. People have a hard time submitting to spiritual authority. We have, we taught in our Bible school for years and years and years that you'll never ever get to a place when you're in authority until you are under authority. Until you learn how to be under authority, you'll never be in authority. And one of the best examples that I ever saw in my entire life was in Wichita Falls, Texas. I, I was running a program called Hell House, okay? It was a giant haunted house. And, man, we were having thousands of people. We were on the news. I was, they did an article about us in Seventeen Magazine. So I went to Walmart, and I bought, like, three dozen Seventeen Magazines, which raised a lot of questions to all the people at Walmart why I was buying all these Seventeen Magazines. And I, I was at the cash register, and the lady's like, you want all these? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay. And I said, I'm in it. <laughs> she looked at me. I think she thought I was modeling in it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, we got jokes over there. I'm glad that wasn't picked up on the, <laughs> somebody said, I doubt it. <laughs> and Kevin's wife feels bad for me. But until we learn to be under authority, we'll never be in authority. I was at this hell house, and uh, I was working this, you know, we had, I don't know, 100, 100 or so staff working to make it work every night. So we get there, and we put everybody in their place, and put all security in their place, and all this. And we had four floors plus a basement. We had like... Uh, Hundreds of people outside waiting, and then a hundred or so people in a waiting room. So it was a packed night, and my pastor walks in, and he says, okay, where do you need me? And I said, uh, and he's my senior pastor, my lead pastor. And I'm like, uh, wherever you want to go. You just want to walk around, you just walk around, do whatever you want. He's like, where do you need me? What do you want me to do? And I said, if you want to hang out in the altar, I mean, the end, if you want to Go to the beginning, say hi, if you want to, whatever you want to do, I want you to do it. And he said, no. He said, I want you to tell me where you need me. He said, this is your program. You're in authority. I'm under your authority. You tell me where you want me to go. Hmm. Wow. So there was this moment where all of a sudden I was taken back because this guy that I look up to, that I've submitted to, that I, I just, I leaned on and I trusted, all of a sudden he put himself under me, under me, and he received me as his spiritual authority in this moment. 
And it taught me more about a spiritual authority than I'd ever learned in my life. I recognize at that point that if you're ever going to be at a place where you're going to have spiritual authority or any authority, you have to be good under authority. You have to learn to submit to authority. At the Exchange Church, one of the things that we did, when you start a church, and this is kind of scary, but it's the truth. And that's why we have so many whack churches out there. Uh, we have Scientology and I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff because anybody can start a church, okay? You don't have, there's, all you got to do is fill out the appropriate legal paperwork, but you can believe whatever, you can write down anything you want. You can believe anything you want. You can say anything you want. You can do anything you want. If you just adhere to some of the, the governmental standards, paying your taxes or being tax exempt, submitting the appropriate paperwork to be tax exempt, once you get that done, you can do anything you want. Okay? And that's scary. That's really scary. So at the Exchange Church, when we started establishing this church, an independent church, the, one of the first things we did was we made sure that we had a covering, that we had spiritual authority uh, in our lives, some, somebody that, that we could submit ourselves to and come up under, that we knew that we were covered and protected because there is a, a grace, there's a blessing that comes with that. And we have four men, we have four men that sit on our anchor board that are their spiritual covering for the exchange church that we submit to, that we listen to, that we ask questions to. Just last week, I called one of them and I just needed, I needed to vent. I needed some advice. I needed, I didn't know where to go. I needed direction. I called and I said, look, man, I need to, I need to whine and, and cry. I need you to give me some direction. I need you to spank me. Okay, I, I, I was just so, I was at this place where I needed somebody to say, hey, get your head on straight. Think about it. And he did. He said, okay, here's what, here's what we're looking at and here's what we're, we're talking about. And man, he just, he just lined me up and I'm so thankful. And that's called spiritual authority. Jesus, he's talking to a Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8. The Roman centurion says, will you heal my servant? And Jesus says, yes, I'll come to your house and I'll heal your servant. Now the centurion, he makes one of the greatest statements of faith in the Bible ever recorded. He says, no, 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 you don't need to come. Just speak a word and he'll be healed. And then he said, for I also am a man under authority. And I say to my servant, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. So, Lord, you just speak a word, and it'll be done. Because I understand authority. And Jesus, his response is this. I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel. In all of Israel. I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel. Because he found a man who understood authority. He understood a spiritual authority. Acts 13, 1. I want you to notice this verse and, and notice how very carefully it is to name the leaders in Antioch. But it says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Siren, Mananan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they, the leaders, this time about the leaders here, ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said now. Everybody say now. now. Come on, he's saying now. Everybody say now. now. Now this is talking about Paul and Barnabas. They have been members of the church for 13 years, okay? We're talking about Paul, who's the greatest. One, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is one of the greatest apostles ever recorded in history. And he's been a member of this church for 13 years. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Okay, and this is, he's gonna, his name is going to be changed to Paul later. For the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, he laid hands on them, and they, now this is referring to the leaders of the church, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I want you to stop right there. I want you to know the leaders send out. The leaders sent Paul and Barnabas out. And it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. This is showing us right there that it is so important that you be connected to a church. 
I expected a couple more amens there. Okay, you be connected to the church because there is a spiritual authority that happens. Paul and Barnabas, they're in this church. They're a part of this church. They've been in this church for 13 years and they've just been serving and doing whatever they need to do, but just being a part of the church. The Holy Spirit says, now, now it's time. So what happens? The leaders of the church lay hands on them and the church leaders send them out. There's a covering. There's a a special thing that happens when spiritual authority is taken over in the house. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. So being a part and being connected to the church is so very important because God wants to do something. When you submit to spiritual authority of your life, what you're doing is you're releasing the church to be everything that God's intended it to be in your life. There's a pastor, there's a a guy who wrote a book on spiritual authority, and he says, I traveled over 60 countries, and you know where I get the most resistance when I teach and preach on spiritual authority? America. America. Because we don't want anybody telling us what to do. We don't like the thought of anybody being over us or in charge of us. In fact, when I start talking about spiritual authority right now, it makes some of us so nervous because we feel like somebody's going to try to take control and start to boss us around, move us around, change things, and we get so tensed up that it's hard to handle. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Listen, the motto of the police that's put on all the police cars is what? Protect and serve. Isn't that what they put? They put protect and serve. So that means their job is really supposed to be protect and serve. So that means that there have been boundaries that that everybody has set up. Okay? We have laws that we're supposed to abide by. And, And the police are there to protect and serve. But when we step outside of our boundaries... Okay, when we get out of authority, out from underneath authority, their job is to bring us back, protect and serve. They'll write us a ticket. I know. I've had lots of them. I was applying for a job several years ago when we were getting ready to plant the church. And uh, I, I called Pete and I said, hey, they're going to do a, uh, a check on my driving record. And I said, now, I haven't got a ticket in a while. It had been a couple years. And I said, but is there any possible? He said, oh, yeah, I can put in your information. It'll pop up on my screen. And I said, just put it in. I want to see what, what they see. And he said, oh, my. <laughs> he said, let me scroll down. Yours is several pages. <laughs> Not that funny. But. The purpose is there are laws put in place. When I break that law and I speed, the reason that they stop me is because their job is to protect and to serve. Their job is to protect me from hurting somebody, me driving like an idiot. And if everybody drove like an idiot, then we would all be in a lot of danger. So their job is protect and serve. And if, and if I don't want a ticket, you know what I do? I submit to the authority and the rules that have been put in place. I tell my daughter, Jenica, all the time, especially with all the craziness that happens, you know, and, and the rap that some of the cops get and, and the rap that, that the, the whole race issue, I've got a daughter who's black. That's an issue for me, okay? Uh, there's going to be a time that that makes me nervous. I got stopped one time, and, and they yanked me out of the truck, and they questioned her because they weren't sure what I was doing with this young black lady, and so it gets scary at times. I told Jenica, I tell her all the time, listen, their job is to protect and to serve. Anytime you get stopped, all you got to do is do whatever they tell you to do. If they say put your hands on the steering wheel, sure, no problem. If they say get out of the car, okay, no problem. I'll get out of the car. If they say stand over here, sure. Don't ever say, why? What did I do? You just do what they ask you to do. Because their job is to protect and serve. And if they do their job right, everything's going to be okay. You just do, you just submit to authority and you do what you're supposed to do. Right? We get that, huh? We get that here, but it doesn't work in the church the same way. Because sometimes in the church, when, when people get outside of authority and a pastor has to come and correct them, 
We don't have the same response. We don't look at that and go, you know what? You're just you're trying to protect and serve. Because my job as the shepherd of this house is that, to protect and serve. It's to protect and serve. It's to honor. And, and there's been boundaries that the Word of God has set up, that guidelines that the Word of God set up that's going to help us. Help us not get hurt. Help us not hurt others. Help us not be alone. Help us not be uh, critical. And there's times as pastor that we have to kind of pull people in and, and have conversations. But in the church, people get so upset and offended with that because we have such issues with spiritual authority. We all, when I say we all, I'm talking about me. We all have to come to a place where we have people in our life that we trust and we have submitted to. And we said, you know what? Okay, I submit to you. When, when I first became a youth pastor, it was really difficult because some of the kids in my youth group were like my age. But you know what? They, they learned to trust me so quick. When I started pastoring, I always thought that, that you know, how are people that are a lot older than me? How are they ever going to respect me? But there's a principle in the kingdom of God. When we learn to submit to authority, there's a covering and a blessing that comes with it. That's so beautiful, so perfect, so empowering. If you want to be empowered, we have to receive Jesus. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. And we have to receive spiritual authority in our lives. I'm going to ask the band to come up this morning. We need spiritual authority in our lives. We need people who are going to confront us, people that are going to call us out, people who are going to put us in our place. When I was in high school, Kevin can attest to this because we went to the same church, and we didn't really have a youth pastor. Um, kinda, I guess. There was a, a gentleman who was called the youth pastor, but what we did, and I'm not knocking on him, but this is the only thing I knew. This is what I thought youth groups were. We would come into a room, and the room was tiny. It was like this big. And they had one table and chairs around the table, and that's it. We'd sit around that table, and there were eight of us, maybe, sometimes five. We'd sit around the table. He would talk about the Bible a little bit, a Bible story or something. And then as quickly as we could, we'd go outside and we'd play football. We'd just throw the ball around. We'd goof around in front of the church. That was it. And it, it was real quick, real easy. And so that was youth. That was, I never had a youth pastor all through school. I wasn't a real nice, I wasn't a real good guy. I was, I'm going to see how I say that. I had a girl problem. Okay? When I was in school, I had a, I had a girl problem. And nobody ever confronted me on my girl problem. Uh, my youth pastor never said a word to me. I graduate high school. I moved to Amarillo, Texas. I'm living with my aunt and uncle for a little while. They're youth sponsors for this pretty big youth group in Amarillo. So they get me to go to youth with them. And I sit there and I become friends and I become to love this youth pastor. His name's Ross Black. And Ross is calling people out. Like, I mean, on Wednesday night, he's confronting things. He's challenging these young people. After church every Wednesday, he's pulling people to the side, and he's talking to them. And I was so scared he was fixing to start confronting me because I wasn't living right. And he asked me. And it was at that moment when, when I started to slowly change. But when I gave my life to God and I, and I submitted to the call of God on my life, and I became a youth pastor, I decided I was going to be a youth pastor who was going to hold people accountable. Nobody ever asked me when I was in school if what I was doing, nobody ever said you shouldn't be doing that. And a lot of people knew what I was doing. Nobody ever said you shouldn't be doing that. Nobody ever said, don't act like that. Nobody ever said, don't treat girls like that. Nothing. Nothing. So when I became a youth pastor, Reuben was in my youth group, he'll tell you, when I preached, man, I was calling people out. I would walk and I'd preach. We had 250 kids one time just packing this gym and I would say, get your arm out from around her. 
I'd be preaching along and I'd say, get your arm off of her. And I'd just keep preaching because I was protective. And at the end of service, I'm telling them, hey, does your mom and dad know that he touches you like that during church? <laughs> they get all nervous. And the issue was that nobody ever confronted me. And I fell and I fell and I fell and I fell. And my life was tough. Just restoring, just restoring, having to to come out of those relationships and all the things I had done. It was miserable, miserable. And I thought, man, if somebody, if one person in my life would have said, what are you doing? You can't do that. It could have changed everything for me. So when I became a youth pastor, that was my mission. If I could change, if I could, if I could help bring clarity to anybody, I was going to do it. I was going to make sure that I did my best to, that every relationship in my youth group was pure. That every relationship in my youth group put God in the center. That was my goal. That was my job. It was at that point when I understood the value of spiritual authority. I didn't have it, and it really caused a lot of problems in my life. And then when I saw it active and lived out loud, I desired it. Isn't that crazy? I desired, I really desired somebody to put me in my place. I know you got to understand what I'm talking about. Because when you go through and you hurt the way that I hurt, it, you, it's not fun. And you wish you could go back and change it. You wish you could have done things different. And the only thing that I can do now is to try to be that for somebody else. Submission doesn't start until you disagree. We used to say that all the time in Master's Commission. People would say, oh man, yeah, I submit to you. No, you're not submitting to me because you, you haven't been tested yet. Submission starts when you don't like it and you still submit. And you do it anyway. That's submission, okay? The other part, that's just easy obedience. It's icing. So I challenge you this morning. I want to ask everybody to stand with me. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. I talked about these three things. Receive Jesus or submit to Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit or submit to the Holy Spirit. Receive spiritual authority. I'm gonna, we're going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. And I'm, not, I'm not even going to ask you to come to the front. But we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. But I want to pray for these specific things. But with no one looking around, just for a second, if you're here this morning and say, you know what, I need, I need the first step. I need to receive Jesus. I know him. I know who he is, but I've not submitted to him. I've not given him fully my life. And I need to submit to him this morning. So I need to receive Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just hold it up right there all across the room. Come on, that's three, four hands. Five hands. You can put your hands down. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me real fast. Jesus, come into my life. God, I submit to you. I submit to your plan. I submit to your future. Whatever you have for me, I submit to it, Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I failed and I made mistakes. But today, I'm made perfect by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus for saving my life. Thank you, Jesus, for empowering me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you a second question. Stick, keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Maybe you're, you're the one that says, you know what? I've received Jesus. I, I live a life. I honor Jesus. He's, he's my Lord and Savior. But I haven't, I haven't submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need that power in my life. Okay? This power. Paul says, look, man, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he says, but it, it's not just about speaking in tongues. See, the, the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, there's fruits of the Spirit that manifest. One of them is love. There with, with, with the power of the Holy Spirit comes things like prophecy. 
There's all kinds of things. But this power should be manifested in our lives. And it should be manifested on a daily basis. Every day, every time we pray, we should manifest the Holy Spirit in our life. And so maybe that's you and you say, you know what? I've received Jesus, but I haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want that. We raise your hand. Come on, if you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a lot more hands. A lot more hands. You can put your hands down. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now, Jesus. God, I pray that, that we begin to have a hunger for your Holy Spirit like never before. God, that we begin to crave and, and desire. I pray that we open up the word and we, we get in the book of Acts chapter 1 where it talks about we, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Acts chapter 2 when it talks about the power of the Holy Spirit as it fell into the upper room. The power it talks about in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 when, when Peter and John are walking through and, and they're healing people and they're saving people and 3,000 people get saved and 5,000 people get saved because there's a boldness that comes on their life, God. Lord, in, in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen, he rises up and he begins to speak under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit, God. Lord, I pray that that power will rise up inside of us, God. Lord, that we desire that, that we don't just receive that power, but it manifests itself in our lives. Lord, we pray for that right now. God, give us a knowledge and an understanding to continue to dig deep into that and receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray right now for the third one. Spiritual authority. God, I pray that our accountability groups aren't cliques that we go and, and we, we vent to and they just all agree with us and, and we just get everybody else offended. God, but I pray that you put accountability, spiritual authority in each one of our lives. God, that we can, we can speak the truth. We can lay the truth out there and they'll confront it. They'll love us. They'll guide us and they'll set us back on the right track. God, that they'll, they'll speak the word of God in our lives so that we'll be empowered. God, I, I pray right now that we, the eyes as the pastor, continue to submit to spiritual authority. That I continue to seek out uh, a guidance, Lord. That I seek out uh, discipline. That I seek out uh, freedom, God. Lord, that people speak into my life. So as a church right now, we submit. God, we submit to your ultimate authority. God, we pray for all those in, in authority in our lives that you've put over us. God, we pray for the authorities in our workplaces, our bosses, our managers, the ones that, that we may not always get along with. God, we pray right now for them and we pray that, that you'll teach us to submit to their authority so that we can release them to be everything that God's intended them to be. Everything that you've intended them to be in our life, which is a blessing. We submit to our teachers, God. We recognize them as authorities that you put in our life. God, we release them to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let me say this before we move on. But the, the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit is like this. I, I was kind of always raised with this belief that until you speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's kind of the belief, uh, the way I was raised. The initial physical evidence. When you speak in tongues, then you're filled with the Spirit. And here's, here's my belief. I believe that when you get saved, you get God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't believe you get two out of three, or one out of three, whatever. I believe you, you receive all three. But the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit is something that has to become manifested in your life. It's something that we have to grow and we have to exercise. And here's the best example, revelation that God gave me a couple years ago. I looked at my son and I was explaining this to a group of young people or something. And I said, my son Parker, he's three now. I said, he has the muscles in his body right now to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. He does. He does. Because 
If he ever dunks the ball, it's not because he goes to academy and says, I need two of the long muscles, calf muscles, so I can dunk. And I need two of the 10-foot goal muscles. And, and if I could get the 10-foot calves also, and the give me the 10-foot thighs. I want the 10-foot thighs. You know, that's not what's going to happen. He has the muscles in his body. He's never going to have surgery to get these dunking muscles planted in. But just because he has the muscles doesn't mean he can dunk. Those muscles haven't manifested anything. He has to develop, train, exercise, and tap in to those muscles. Those muscles are there, but they give him no power until he learns to use them. Whoo! That'll preach. That should have got one amen. Okay, one, one amen. But, and it's the same thing with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ in your life, the, the power, the Holy Spirit comes in. And he's just waiting on you to begin to develop that relationship. That relationship. You have to develop that relationship. Allow it to manifest in your life. And as it manifests in your life, it will give you power and a boldness that you can't contain. So it's there. It's there. We just have to allow it to manifest. And one of the signs of that manifestation is speaking in tongues. There's a prayer language that God gives us in speaking in tongues. There's two different things that happens. One is for the whole body where it edifies and it lifts up the whole body. And the other one is personal between you and him. It's a prayer language. The Bible says that he sits and he intercedes on our behalf. He makes, and in fact, when, when Crystal begins to pray in her prayer language, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to tell God, God, this is what she needs. This is what she needs, God. This is what she needs in this new marriage. God, this is the promotion she needs. This is the outcome she needs. And the Holy Spirit begins to intercede. She don't even know what she's saying. But that's the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why we would not want that is beyond me. Is beyond me. Amen? So receive Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and receive spiritual authority. You receive that this morning? Say a big amen. amen. Come on, a big amen. 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 Give God a big hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.